Welcome to this edition of the Chamber Podcast. I'm Peter Gray and I'm one of the board members on our Toowoomba Chamber of Commerce board. And I'm also lucky enough to be the board member who has responsibility for overseeing the FAN group, which is our food and agri network group. And I'm pleased to be um, having a chat today with Sally Boardman, who's on our FAN committee and owns with her husband Sunny Spot Farms in Ravensport. So thanks for coming and having a chat with me, Sally. Thanks, Peter. So I suppose um, what we want to do today, Sally, is really highlight for our members some of the great work that our local producers are doing, because as you and I know, being on the fan group, we're really trying to make that connection between the local community and our local producers stronger. So maybe start by telling our listeners a bit about you and your husband, how you started Sunny Spot Farms. Well, Sunny Spot Farms are in Ravensbourne. Daryl and myself moved to Ravensbourne about 20 years ago and we purchased a small farm from a grower there who had started packing fruit of uh, other growers in the area in his garage. And we saw this as a bit of an opportunity to probably build upon that and create a service for more avocado growers in the area along with our own farming. So, yeah, so we've built up in the, over the last 20 years to grading, packing and marketing avocados. We also grow our own and our farming enterprises have probably increased probably tenfold since we first began. And, and why avocados? What, what is the love with avocados? <laughs> well, it's <They're> tasting delicious. <laughs> It's interesting to to say this now. So, so 20 years ago, it, it really was a bit of a different story with avocados. It's it's mm-hmm. become a massive, massive product in a, in a global sense. We moved here from Gundawindi and we just decided to leave our broadacre farming enterprises. I was an agronomist out in um, Gundawindi, so I looked after a lot of broadacre crops, irrigated and dry land, yeah. so cotton and oil seeds and cereals and so forth. And my husband was in a family farming business. So we just decided that we'd quite like to do something together on our own. And we decided to move to this area purely by chance. We didn't target avocados, essentially. We just targeted somewhere that we could provide an extra service to the to farmers because both of both of us knew what that was about. Yeah, so, right. Because of our other businesses. Okay, so you, it wasn't a great passion for avocados or anything. It just definitely not at that point in time. But throughout the twenty years, our passions has definitely definitely increased. As has. Everybody else's. That's right. Yes. Because I remember um, uh, when I first moved to Queensland as a, as a kid, we rented a house and there were these three big avocado trees in the backyard. And back in the early 90s, avocados were still very much in that category of a bit of a prestige food. You know, they were quite expensive. You could only get them a certain time of the year. And my mum loved them. And I remember she was really thrilled that we had these avocado trees in the backyard, but the avocados weren't particularly edible. They were very woody, as I seem to remember. Um, But I think there's been a real growth in terms of the popularity of the avocado in that time. Is that what you've kind of seen? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. And and within Australia, we we all know how much the consumption has has increased per capita. Like it's something like three and a half kilos per person. Yeah, right. But when I when I grew up, avocados were a treat. It was yeah. just a one one off every now and then. But now avocados are seen as a staple food, basically. Yeah. yeah. There's something that the majority of the population wants to have 
avocados in their food. And yeah. we've been involved, oh, well, particularly my husband, he's been on the industry board for a long time. And with that, has he's, he's helped lead the marketing of the avocado within Australia. It, it's interesting because avocados haven't needed to Australia hasn't needed to promote the avocado. The avocado has been promoted around the world. It speaks for itself. It does. Its deliciousness speaks for itself. Yeah. So I suppose what has been some of the biggest challenges that you and your husband have have seen, Sally, in trying to overcome and grow the business? Well, basically the business is agriculture. So anyone involved in agriculture understands that there's there's always challenges. You're still very much dealing with Mother Nature and climate. So one thing that we, we're seeing now, the way we, I'm not going to say it's all to do with climate change, but it's, practices have changed over, over those 20 years in, insofar as when our fruits ripe and ready to go, like what we're dealing with with increased temperatures or more extreme weather conditions. Obviously, in agriculture, we've, we're going through, we're still going through it. I must say that we're still going through one of the worst droughts that, that, yeah. that Queensland has seen and not just Queensland, but throughout a time during the 2000s, there was certainly a drought period through there that was made everything very difficult. So insofar as trying to mitigate climatic conditions, we're looking at all sorts of things that we can do. So obviously water, water is the biggest issue that any any agricultural person has at this stage. So, you know, we're, we're constantly looking for how we can manage our water better, how we can be more efficient with our water. We've changed our irrigation practices immensely over the time. And, you know, mitigation of frosts and how we plant our trees. So whether, whether we plant north-south or whether mm. we plant east-west, it mm. all has a bearing on how, how that tree will perform. And over 20 years, we've, we've learnt a lot and tried a lot of things and are constantly changing what we do. And I suppose um, some of those things, they're big gambles to take because it's not um, like other crops. You know, you plant a crop for a season, you see if something that you changed worked or not, whereas avocado trees, you can't grow them in a year. <laughs> they, you know, there's a, there's a far longer time frame to see if a plan works out or not, I suppose. Well, that's exactly right. And, and you can't, <laughs> you, you, you have to realise that you're, you're looking after the fruit, which is the the crop of the year but you're also looking after the tree and the tree has to be able to perform for you again and again and again so everything that we do we're looking ahead a year mm. to make sure that we're looking after that tree as well as the fruit that's on the tree yeah it's very interesting and i suppose that brings a topic that we've talked about a lot on our fan committee which is trying to get the general community engaged in, in about where their food comes from um i think even now compared to when i was a kid there is a real disconnect with how easy it is to get all of these foods in the supermarket at least when you know i was a kid 20 years ago there was a difference between well you knew that some fruits and vegetables didn't come in every season so there was at least a concept of oh there are external factors that it's not just a i want it so i can get it whereas now with everything being far more accessible We've talked a lot about the disconnect between, you know, how something gets from the farm to our plate, and that's something we're working on as a committee. What are your thoughts, Sally, around how we can try and get people engaged with the food chain and, and, you know, taking more of an interest in where their food comes from? 
Well, I, I personally see that there's already a very, very strong move towards consumers wanting to know more about their produce, uh, more about what they're eating, more about where it's coming from. In Australia, we're very lucky. We have our regulations in Australia are second to none worldwide. So as far as food safety and food traceability is concerned, we're, we're, we're right up there. Yeah. But the other thing that comes with that is people like to understand a little bit more about the farm or Mm. the people behind the farm or what is going on on the farm and have some sort of, not financial, but invested interest um, in what's going on. So we've, in our business now and our marketing company, we, we highlight yeah, we, we provide people with the opportunity to see where their fruit's coming from. So we, we've put a QR code on, on every sticker on every piece of fruit. So yeah. everybody can look at that QR code and see where that piece of fruit's come from. I love that idea. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. And it's really done, gone leaps and bounds. So we, yeah. we can see, we get feedback from that, who's opening that app, yeah. uh, that, that QR code anywhere around the world. So we export a lot of fruit as well. But now I'm talking in big terms in in a, a much more global sense. But as far as local is concerned, Toowoomba, for instance, the, the farmer's markets mm. that we have, I, I think I'd really like to see more and more and more of that. Yep. Perhaps they could be looking at inviting growers to talk at those farmer's markets. Yes. So we've we've been involved in Hampton Food Festivals. We've had people out to our farm to show them around and on a special tour that's organised and go to the gear and speak about our product and have chefs using our product. And all of this is great, but the, the cold chain and supply chain are hard to manage mm. um, when I, it sounds ridiculous, but... We used to begin by bringing in boxes of fruit every week and delivering all around town, but yeah. it's it's not it's not very economically viable. No, unless you can go to a point of reference and deliver your fruit to there and sell it from there. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think we've talked about that in terms of it is a bit of a chicken and egg scenario because from the hospitality side of things, they want to use more local produce. But again, from their perspective, it's harder to get or it's slightly more expensive to get because they need to start using it in higher volumes. To be using it in higher volumes, we need the community to be wanting it and to be purposely picking those items out of a menu and be wanting to do that. So it is kind of what comes first. Do we create the supply chain and then the demand will be there or do we work on creating the demand and then, you know, backfill the supply chain? So it is a complicated question, I think. Um, but I think if we could meet in the middle, that would might be a good starting point in terms of if the more people are engaged and are looking to buy that food from local restaurants and things, then more owners will go and source those things. And like you said, if we could get a farmer's market even more accessible, maybe once a day, every day or a couple of times a week and everyone knew that that's when you can go and get that produce, that might start making it easier to get into the chain. A bit of a change of pace. What is a fun or quirky fact about avocados? Have you got any crazy avocado facts for me? Uh, this I, I thought about this a lot. <laughs> I have... Um... Avocados are native to the Mexico-Guatemala region. That's of what the, the world. guacamole. Yum. Yeah, guacamole. Mate, yeah. It all makes sense now. <laughs> so, you know, we, I guess that fun fact related to that to me is, that is over there and it's called the aguacate, and aguacate is uh, 
Aztec word for testicles. So (laughs) that's my fun fact about Avocados. You've really delivered on that question, Sally. That was definitely a fun and quirky fact. I feel like we can, the chamber can use that in our our promos for this podcast and we'll get lots of listeners. So that's good. Um, If you've you've come into this podcast on the basis of that promo, you've you've hopefully been pleasantly rewarded with that fun fact to rip out at your next party. Nominations and applications are now open for the Focus HR Business Excellence Awards 2020. If you know a local business that excels in an industry, nominate them today. Categories include tourism, professional services, hospitality, retail and more. Don't miss the opportunity to be part of the Toowoomba region's most prestigious business awards. Nominations and applications close October 15. Nominate today at toowoombachamber.com.au. So I suppose moving forward, where do you see your business going now, Sally? So you've got the packing side, you've got the export side. Do you also provide local, like do you guys have supply chain into Coles and Woolies or is that an aspect of your business as well? Yes. So we have direct supply to Coles, Woolies, sorry, indirect to Coles, direct to Woolies, direct to Aldi. So our, our grading and packing business draws upon growers from the Ravensbourne, Blackbutt area, the yes. Sunshine Coast and the Bundaberg area. Right. So we've got a, a, a good mix of fruit coming to us. Now our marketing business, we're, we've got a collaborative marketing business with another big enterprise in Bundaberg. Um, our CEO used to be the CEO of Avocados Australia. So that that operation not only markets our fruit but we market Australian fruit, like from all over Australia. Yeah, right. Yeah, yes. more generally. Yeah. More generally. So yeah. of that group, I think last year we marketed 30% of the Australian avocado. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Of which between 5 and 10% is exported. Yeah, right. So long answer to, to that question. Our business has built been built upon servicing other people yeah. as well as ourselves yeah. but what we are aiming to do and what we are actually doing is building up our own production so we're not not as reliant and dependent upon other growers and I think that's just we we're very passionate about growing the fruit and the marketing is the next step but when you look at farming operations it's being able to be involved along the whole supply chain and having a little bit more control of what's going on so you get much better information flow, you can manage your cold chain, you can make sure that your product's the best it can be when it gets to the market. All of those sorts of things are all tied into into that. But for us, and and this goes back to the the local consumption as well, you know, we do supply some big markets Australia wide. However, every... Every product that you have in agriculture has a certain component that's a second. Yeah. It's a, a class two or a second. This mostly goes to food service, but we also need an outlet for that. We, yeah. You know, every agricultural producer doesn't want to have wastage. Yeah. Um, so yeah. they need to be able to sell locally. And it doesn't mean when a, when you say it's a second class fruit. It just doesn't look pretty. It's still a beautiful piece of yeah. fruit. It yeah. just doesn't have the right spec for the, for yeah. the supermarket. So, you know, every market that we can go to um, like locally or sell to other people to take to other markets. But my son has started a business of home delivery in 
in Brisbane with, yeah, a, right. with a friend of his. Yeah. And that type of thing is just getting moving all the product. Yeah. That's it's, we used to bury tons and tons and tons and tons of avocados. Oh no. Which is just just shocking. Like yeah. it's it just tearful. <laughs> it, it is tearful yeah. <laughs> because back to and I've mentioned it already in this podcast, but my love of guacamole. When you look on the back of all the different guacamoles from the, I mean, I often make my own, but if I'm in a hurry and my son, of course, like most three to four-year-olds, he's four now, he he likes, oh, I don't like your homemade guacamole, mum. I like the crappy guacamole dip from the supermarket. So when I'm at the supermarket trying to at least pick which dip has the most avocado content, I think the best one out of all of the ones I've found on the market is like 35%. So instead of putting all those avocados, you know, burying them, you could have just put some more in the dip and made it a bit more authentic. Well, that's exactly right. Yeah. And so our our seconds market has has you know improved immensely over the last twenty years. There's yeah. now avocado processing for guacamoles, the the selling at markets, the consumption of avocado oil or processing yeah, for yes. oils, yeah, um, and and cosmetics. Yes, it's in shampoo, isn't it? Yes. I think like Palmolive or one of them have avocado extract in their shampoos. Such, so what is not to love? I mean, we're really highlighting the avocado in this <laughs> conversation. It's such a, it has so many diverse and delicious purposes. <laughs> we we travel to there's a World Avocado Conference every four years, and in 2015 that was in Peru. Right. Um, and that was the first avocado conference that they actually had a full session dedicated to the health aspects of avocados. Yeah, right. Very interestingly, this is one of the reasons why the demand is so high now worldwide yeah. is a lot of money is going into research worldwide for all the health properties of avocados and yeah. what that will provide for you as a consumer. So, you know, it's it's interesting the way things change. And avocados themselves have – there's nothing that you can substitute for an avocado. Like most other fruits and vegetables, well, you can't get such and such, yeah. so therefore you just get such and such. Yeah. But there's nothing that, that is you, true. Can, you can substitute an avocado for. <laughs> I feel like we've just, I mean, if there's an avocado, you know, marketing branch of the Australian government, they should be giving you and I money for this podcast yes, because, right. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go source an avocado today yes, so I can eat yes. one after this discussion. Yes. I shouldn't have come to this interview hungry. No, <laughs> like, right. you should never go shopping hungry. So let's circle back to a comment you made before in terms of diversifying the business a bit more and not being as reliant on other growers for the packing side of the business. Have you seen any impacts on the, the agriculture and specifically your business um, with COVID? What, what's been the the impact for you, or has there been one? Uh, yes, there has. Well, you know we are we are so much better off than so many other people. I'll just put that out to start with. However, you know it has it has cost us a lot more um, this this season with sort of employing extra people to manage our COVID plan within the within the business. So we we obviously have staff that come every day to work in the in the shed. So putting a plan in place took a bit of time and a few more resources. We employ one person full time now to clean every single surface that's in, in yeah, the shed. Right. Did you have to pause operations for any period of time or you were getting that plan worked out or was it all right? 
Well, we didn't we didn't have to pause, but what we did do was slow it down. Yeah. Um, yeah. We so initially overnight we lost all of our food service and we lost all of our export, mm. which is which you know is a big component of our business. So what we did was our strategy was to slow down, get everyone to slow down their picking, so yes. we could just take it take it you know push things into the marketplace at a bit steadier rate yes um, yeah and not flood the market and have waste whilst we tried to develop those other other processes and the other thing was that we didn't want to employ any more people so we just wanted to stick with the people that we had because we knew that they were under our COVID plan yes as you would understand we do rely a lot on backpackers and we have some wonderful wonderful people that work with us um and they all adhered to it very well because they needed to. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was nowhere else to get work. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that was that was a bonus to us by doing that. Then we didn't have to bring more people in suddenly and, and so forth. So, you know, food service we know has all come back, back well, a lot more in Queensland anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, luckily. Lucky we're not selling avocados into Melbourne. <laughs> and that is where all those, you know, the yuppie smashed avocado crew live apparently. Yes, <laughs> yes that's right. That's right. But like, I, I think they're everywhere really. <laughs> but, yeah, export, uh, a word on export, the government did then put a lot of resources into financing export to not just for avocados, but for all agricultural yes. produce, because we needed to keep that going. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's that's worked well to date. Well, that's good. And then I suppose turning to Fan Sally, how have you found your involvement in in that group so far? You know, the the group and our goals are developing as we go, and I think we've got some grand plans in terms of where we want the group to head. But have you found it useful to connect? with other people in the group and with chamber in your business? Yes, yes, definitely. I I um What what a surprising answer and the right one. <laughs> <laughs> we would have had to cut it out had you said no. <laughs> well, personally, I I believe so, so, I mean, it's not so much of of how we do our business or change our strategy, but yeah. I I believe that the what Fan is doing in so far as creating a much more much more awareness of of growers in the region for consumers and also for food service. I think Fan put together a list of of different producers in the area two years ago. Yes, which our local food guide available on the the chamber website, and also the the local food map. So for for anyone coming to Toowoomba to stay or, or anyone who lives here to understand where in the CBD different chefs are trying to use local produce as yes. much as they can. And and this is really important because, like you said before, the chicken and the egg, mm, mm. a lot of consumers would like to do that but they don't know what, where, where to go or how to what, you know, it's, it works both ways and it's something that, yeah, I know Fan is working on and, and I believe that that's a really good thing for producers. Yeah, and I think, um, and you know, we have had a lot of success with that map and we're looking to expand it um, to incorporate some of the outlying towns and hamlets around Toowoomba so people can kind of start to create these local food journeys, which I think with COVID is good timing because people will be looking for local kind of touristy things to do and a great one is to go for a Sunday drive and try some local producers, maybe 
maybe stop in at some of the farms that do offer, you know, an open door to see how things are done and sell a, the cellar door kind of concept. And the I think the thing with a lot of people who want to get more involved in eating locally is there can sometimes be a perception that you've got to be, you know, a really fully immersed, you know, vegan or like a bit of a hippie to be doing it. Whereas you just, the the culture around that I think is really changing. You know, you you start with a small step when you go to a, a, a restaurant. If the menu says this uses local produce, I know personally, I go, oh, cool. I'll give that a go. And and it can be that simple. And then that's the first step to eating one more local product instead of something else that comes from somewhere that you don't even know about. So I think what we're trying to do with the food map and the and and the podcast and and fan in general is to create that butterfly ripple effect where it is lots of little things that seem small on their own, but hopefully if we do them enough, the ripples will get bigger and bigger as we continue on. So we very much appreciate you being part of that group and bringing your expert knowledge because as our listeners have heard today, you have such a diverse range of skills in terms of all different parts of the supply chain. And yeah, it's really interesting. So thank you so much, Sally. Thanks, Peter. I love talking avocados. I'm going to go find one for lunch now. If anyone wants to check out our awesome local CBD food map, it is available on our chamber website, or you can contact Deb in the chamber office and get hard copies. We did completely I wouldn't say sell out because we gave them out for free, but we used all of our first print run up very quickly. So we're getting some more printed and we are looking to expand that map. But in the meanwhile, you can print one off off the website and we will also be, we're working on updating and releasing a new local producers guide too, Sally. So then that's something to look out for if you're in the food service industry locally, so you can start connecting with our growers. But for any other fan-related updates, please follow us on our socials and stay up to date with everything on our Chamber website.